Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Let's jump into our series we've been in. We've been in a series called Love Revolution. We've been talking about the love of God. I've been trying to do this in a fresh and new way. I feel like God loves you is a very common phrase that we're all used to hearing, but how we embrace that and how we walk that out seems for many people to take a lifetime. It seems for for many uh, a journey to overcome uh, a past or shame or guilt or mistakes or worthiness or just feeling like God loves them. How many know your feelings can really jack you up? Your feelings can tell you that you're not loved when God says you are loved. Your feelings and even sometimes your own actions and behavior could tell you that you're not worthy, yet God still says you're loved and forgiven and worthy and full of of opportunity and potential. And so I've been speaking on love and God's love and and how we can learn to embrace that even more, to live out our purpose, to live out what God has called us to love. And I want to take you for a second today to to this thought, and I'm going to be speaking on the whole time. The, The bullseye today is prayer. I know some of you are kind of like linear thinkers, and I'm kind of like I'm here, and then I'm there, and then I can be, and that's okay. God loves me, even if you don't love me. Uh, But the bullseye for today for all the, okay, what is this about, Daniel? It's going to be about prayer. Did that just help some people today? People are like, thank you, Jesus. At the top of my notes, I will write, this is about prayer. (laughs) Now, you'll follow the rabbit trail to get to the points about prayer, but nevertheless, it's going to be about prayer. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah is not in any place of authority. He's actually a servant to a king. He's a cupbearer. So he doesn't have a connect group. He doesn't serve on a team. He doesn't go to a church that has influence. He doesn't in part of a, uh, a pastoral team. He's not a, a known speaker. He's not on the circuit. He doesn't have a huge Instagram following. He doesn't have a great Facebook page. He's just a guy serving a king in a foreign land away from his home in his homeland. And Nehemiah hears that his hometown, his home city, where he was born, where he was raised, where he grew up, is being uh, basically torn down. It's in shambles. The walls have been torn down in the city. No one's worshiping God anymore. And people have uh, erected idols in place of God. And it's evil and it's shady and it breaks his heart. And we read that Nehemiah reads this. Uh, this report, or here's this report about what's going on, about where he's from. His heart is moved for his city. And in that moment, Nehemiah does something significant. The whole story basically summarizes that Nehemiah gets this download from God to just go and do something about this, to leave his position, to ask the king if he could actually leave his position as a servant. And then he has the guts to ask the king for provisions And safety to travel to this place to actually go and pour into his city and bring God back to the city and bring righteousness back to the city and to rebuild the walls and to do the thing God has called him to do. So here's Nehemiah in this position where he feels this burden about what's going on in our city. This is what's happening. Where is God? Where is where are the where are the people of God? Why are they all scattered all around? And why is it war-torn? And there's evil and shady business going on and idols being erected and this is all a mess what happened and nehemiah's heart does this it breaks for his city 
Can I say today that what I'm trying to get at for us is that when we look at our city, do we feel the same way about San Antonio? Do we see the sex trafficking of children that we see on the news regularly? Children, not just adults, children. Three years old, four years old. Do we see the cocaine that's seized regularly? Do we see all the brokenness? Do we see all the drugs? Do we see the people being murdered on the news? Like families, men committing suicide and killing their families. Do we see the craziness that's going on and feel the burden of God for our city? Or do we just change the station and be like, man, the world's getting so bad. Somebody should do about this. We need to vote somebody in to change this. Can I say that we can't have anybody that can legislate the heart of man only God can change evil and turn to something good only God can change someone who's hell-bent on destruction like the apostle Paul was and turn their hearts towards God so that God can use them as a beacon of light not someone who feeds the darkness so I'm asking Grace Avenue do we feel the burden for our city or do we curse the darkness instead of lighting a candle do we see the stuff going on in our schools? Do we see the stuff going on and just, and just complain about it? Or even, even worse, just kind of wish it was different. As the people of God who've been claimed by God and called by God, what is our response to the things that we see in our city? See, Jesus looked at Jerusalem and it says that Jesus looked at the city and he wept with compassion. He was not just caught up in the fields. He was not just sad about, oh, somebody should do something about this. Jesus gave his life for the city. The city that rejected him, despised him, cursed him, lied about him, misrepresented him. He gave his life. I want to show you something about, about 10 years ago. This is why it's good to put good thought-provoking stuff on Facebook. Um, because it comes back to you in life and reminds you, oh, wow, I was actually pretty smart back then. Okay, all right. After 34 years of life, if you need to do the math, that means I'm 10 years older than that. After 34 years of life, I've arrived at a place where I'm naturally in a place for God to do something supernatural, and I'm really excited. Okay, this is why it's good to put deeper stuff on your Facebook rather than just a picture of your sandwich <laughs> or your taco. Because 10 years, you're going to look at that taco and you're going to go, well, okay, well, I've, I've had about 700 of those since then in the last 10 years. It's not very, not very amazing, right? And what I felt at that time, I want you to understand, Grace Avenue <clears throat> was not even a thought yet. Grace Avenue was not in the picture. In fact, as a matter of fact, at that time, I was trying to sell our house. Janelle and I were trying to move to another city, season of transition, and we were kind of like, what's next? What is God going to do? We don't, we don't know what we're supposed to do. So in our, um, I guess, in, or I should say in my uh, busyness, can't put anything on Janelle that's unwise because she's the wise queen. But in my hastiness, I was like, we got to make a move. Got to make some changes. Got to adjust. Got to get going. And God said, actually, no, for the next year, your house is not going to sell. <laughs> In fact, you're going to get an offer on it on the first person that looks at your house. And then they're going to pull out two days before. And then for the next year, you're going to have showing after showing after showing after showing. But you're not going anywhere because I have a better and a bigger 
broader plan for your life. Now, I didn't know that until later, after the year of misery. And after the year of cursing the darkness, living in frustration, answering, I don't know, as a 30-something-year-old man to people when people are saying, what are you going to do and what's the plan? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Praying, hoping God does this, putting it all on the house, kind of just narrowing my whole life down to this one house that has to sell for the large plan of God to unfold to the next plan. Can Can you see I was a little off? I was just a little off. At that time, I started to feel a burden for our city. At that time, I remember I was sitting on the couch in our old house that Janelle and I lived in. And I remember I was sitting on the couch. And like Nehemiah, I felt just such a heaviness for what is going on in our city and the need in our city and the brokenness in our city. And I remember there was a a guy who used to be my youth pastor when I was a kid. And I connected with him and I said, over coffee, and just said, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And he prayed that I would not move. He actually said, I I pray that you don't move. Why do you got to move? Why can't you just plant yourself in this city and and, and start a church here? I'm like, ah, I can't do that, man. That's not going to work. Well, why not? Ah, you don't know what you're talking about. I knew this coffee was a waste of time. You know, I I got, (laughs) I can't start a church in San Antonio. You know, I've been here most of my life. This is good. This is not, this, this isn't it. It's something else. And he said, well, I'm telling you that the church needs good pastors and good churches in this city. And I, I, I pray that you change your, change your mind about it, right? Um, that man is the man that I called when I was on the couch and I was feeling this burden and this heaviness. I called him and I said, man, I don't know how to make sense of what I'm feeling right now. But, man, I'm on the couch crying like a baby and my wife's asking me what's wrong with me. She thinks I'm having a midlife crisis. Like, I don't know. I don't know why I feel such a heaviness about not just this season, but, but just on me. What is this? And I called this man because he's the only man I know that cries anytime he just starts talking about Jesus. Don't you love those people? They're like, what's going on? Well, I was meeting with the Lord last night. And oh, hallelujah. <laughs> And the Lord began to speak to me, and I'm like, man, tell me more. I'm like taking notes. Tell me, tell me. Like, you have been in the presence of God. I want to hear. He's one of those guys that just loves Jesus so much. It's just everything oozes out of him, Jesus and love and people and ministry. And I said, man, I'm, I'm feeling this. I don't know what to do. And he goes, well, I'll pray for you, Daniel, but I'm not going to pray that that feeling would go away. In fact, I'm going to pray that that feeling would multiply because that's the only feeling that you really should feel as a Christian when it comes to being planted in this city. You should feel a burden for your city. You should feel a burden for the people of God. You should ask yourself why you feel that and ask God to multiply that. And he did. That man uh, can no longer speak. He had a stroke about four years ago. He can't use the right side of his body. He had lost 67% of the left side of his brain. All he can say is the words, yeah, 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 over and over. This is an articulate man. This is a man who preached. This is a man who served the poorest of the poor. This is the man who, when we used to do the stocking outreaches every single year, that was him and his wife uh, who, who led that ministry. Um, I, I'm thankful that he was able to speak those words of life to me 
before this next season where he and his wife are, are basically beginning a whole new life together. They spent their entire life in ministry. She told me she's writing a book about this and what they're going through. I was talking to her last week, and I'm supposed to visit them here for lunch pretty soon. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say today is that the, these were burdens that I was experiencing and feeling, and it came down to having to make some decisions like Nehemiah about praying about the future. What is my, what is my future? Because my future was just so wrapped up in my next step. My future was small picture. How everything affects me had nothing to do with the kingdom of God, nothing to do with the plan of God. Of course, I was praying those prayers like icing on a cake over my plans. But really, I was not asking God what is next. I was just making good moves in God's name. And then I'll give him the glory later. But hey, at least I made the plan, right? And I can give him the glory, but it was my strategy. It's getting really quiet in here. Let me just see. Where I was in that place 10 years ago where I was believing for God to do something supernatural, we're in that place again. This is where we are as a church. God has brought us to a place where we're believing God to launch a second community on the other side of town. The I-10 UTSA area is where we've targeted, where we've prayed, where we've looked at just the demographics of who we're reaching and where we're reaching and where we can see God do something in that area. But we don't have the money yet. We don't have the location that we're meeting yet. We have some semblance of strategy, but we don't have the full picture. How many of you know we need to be a praying people? How many of you know the the word is go and we're going? We've got to see God do some supernatural things. And how many of you know that we need both campuses, both locations to be healthy babies? Healthy, plump, fat, good-looking babies. We don't want this baby over here to be plump, or this one, and then this one over here malnourished, where people look at this location and go, ooh, what's the matter with that one? We're going to that one. You don't want people to do that with your kids, right? We want God's glory to shine from both locations, and we want to see these video testimonies that we keep seeing. We want to see that happening in two sides of the city. And here's what it's going to take. It's going to take God intervening, and it's going to take a praying people to usher this in. It's not just going to take Pastor Daniel's plan and the team's plan and the staff's plan. It's going to take every person who calls Grace Avenue home, finding within themselves, what is my part to do? What is my part to give? What is my part to serve? Where am I to love? What I'm praying today is that you feel a burden for our city. That our church doesn't become the place where, like, there's the few people that have the burden and then all the other people are consumers or attenders. This is how churches become so, what's the word? Plastic. Where the messages are plastic. And it's just three points for this and there's just three points for that. And sure, sure, systematically it's helping you take ground in your life. But I believe in a church that as the presence of God, as the center, where people come in and before they even walk in the building, they're being hit in the parking lot with a sense of, I'm supposed to be here. Something is happening. I don't know why. See, I would rather have those people that God is sending that we're nurturing and stewarding and taking care of, not to the discredit of any other church that's doing good work, but just to know what we're called to. 
to know what God is positioned is for. And it takes people who, like in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, where he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am. I'm asking you to think about that today because for some of you, I'd like for you to consider saying that at this stage in your life and at, your, at this stage in our church. Here I am, send me. Because there's a whole lot of people that have been working over the last eight years, loving, giving, serving, actively involved, and they are the ones who have absolutely helped you get to a place where your life can receive and be blessed because somebody's watching your kids right now. Somebody organized you to park. Someone paid for those chairs. Someone's paying for this bunk air conditioner. Someone has, has invested so that we can have staff and teams and provide food and help people and do ministry and give tens of thousands of dollars to missions and mission trips and planting churches. Someone else has invested because they said, here I am, Lord, send me. And for some of you now, it's your turn. It's your turn. It's your turn to feel the burden. They felt the burden. It's your turn to feel the burden and to embrace it and to say, what's my part? See, for some of you, that means some of you being sent to our new location. And for some of you, it means being sent into new areas in this location. For some of you, it means maybe stepping up to a higher level of responsibility. For some of you, it means putting down roots here and saying, this is my church. This is my family. This is where I'm going to have roots. This is where I'm going to grow. This is where I'm going to be established. And here's the part that people leave out. This is the part where my life is going to multiply. Because a lot of times we just think of addition for our lives. God, add this, add this, grow me here, establish me there, prosper me here, bless me here, bless me there. What's the point of all that? God said to Abraham, I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Not just I'm going to bless you. Come on, as Christians, we all want to be blessed. (laughs) God, open the door. Give me the promotion. Heal my body. Fix this. Change that. Come on, we all want the blessing in the hand of God and the favor of God over our lives. We want him to open the doors. We want him to make a way where there is no way. We know how to confess the scriptures where he's making a way where there seems no way. He's making, you know, rivers in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Come on, we claim those things for ourselves, but somebody has to claim it for the people in our city that don't know God. Somebody has to care. And it can't be the same people that have always cared in Grace Avenue. It can't be the same people. It's your turn. Here I am. Send me, God. Where? I don't know, but get ready for the adventure. It may mean your house doesn't sell. Sorry, Ryan, I'm not talking to you. I know your house is closing on Wednesday. His is going to close in Jesus' name. But everybody else, your house may not sell. (laughs) That's like the worst thing to hear from the pulpit when you just are selling your house. Like, oh, God, no, 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 no. He's not talking to me. (laughs) Selling Jesus' name. I met a pastor uh, when we were starting the church years ago. And I only met with him one time. only connected with him this one time. But he had a large church here in town. And just remember he said this, Daniel, 
you're going to get there. What's in your heart, you're going to get there. It's just not going to happen the way you think. But you're going to look around at one point in the journey, and you're going to turn around, you're going to say, we're there. We got there. It's just not going to happen the way you think. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, just remember I said that. (laughs) We're at that place now. There's no way I could have strategized through the pain, the difficulty, the personal stuff we've had to deal with, the hospital stuff, all that kind of stuff. There's no way I could have planned or prepared or strategized a journey to get us to the place where we have the healthy church that I believe God put in our heart long ago. What I'm saying is I could have been praying about a perfect plan and that plan never would have been perfect. I could have been strategizing this picture perfect, systematic way of if God does this and he'll do that. And if he does this, then, then he'll do that. Hey, here's what I have grown in over the years more and more. It's John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus speaking to you about the direction that you need in this next season. My sheep hear my voice. He didn't say, my sheep only hear my voice through a pastor or through some spiritual leader or through a YouTube clip or through a podcast. My sheep, which means there's relationship between us and God that we've developed enough to recognize his voice. My dog can respond to the snap of my finger. She knows. She's getting in trouble, or she's, which is usually the case, or she's coming over here back to the office where she needs to be or into my room or whatever. You know, Eden knows my voice now at two years old. She's already learned to recognize my voice. We need to be people who develop this ability to hear the voice of God for ourselves. See, we, don't you want a church where people are hearing the voice of the Lord for themselves? Don't, don't, don't you want a church? Don't you want a church? Or do you want a church where everybody's confused? What do you think God's saying? I don't know what he's saying. What do you think he's saying? I don't know what he's saying either, but I hope it's good. I hope my house sells. <laughs> I hope something else is next. See, I think in society, and, and, and I'm saying this, uh, I'm not saying this as a, as a mark against churches. I'm, I'm not like one of those guys who are like, here's what's wrong with the churches in America. I hate that kind of stuff. Trust me. But, but I do think in some ways, in pulpits across the nation, at least as I grew up, there's a lot of sermons that reduce God down to systems and principles and formula. So if you do A and you do B, you'll get C. And when C happens, then you can do D. So pray that A happens and pray that B happens and then God will do C. Can we say that we serve an almighty God of a universe that moved heaven and earth that came down to earth and made himself human, that sacrificed himself so that we could be free, I think he's a little bigger and broader than A and B equals C. Even though he does work systematically through principles of sowing and reaping, and the way we treat people, and what we sow and what we reap, I I get that. But God is far bigger than the systems and the formulas and the principles we try to lock him down to and expect him to move through. Maybe what you've been trying to get from God in this season is a formula. And maybe what God has been trying to get from you is faith. Maybe for you it's been locking down. If this works this way, then God can do this or life can go this way. And God's saying, yeah, maybe your house is not going to sell. 
Maybe you're going to stay here. Maybe you're going to pastor a church. None of those things I would have voted for at that time. Not one of them. I was not the boy preacher that they called and God's going to call you and you're going to preach. And you're gonna... That was not me. I think people were just as shocked as I was when I felt like God. <laughs> Good luck to him. Oh, that's nice, Daniel. Good luck. Good luck. Lord, help him. Why am I saying this? Because Grace Avenue for the next 10 years, for it to be what we believe God has called it to be, is going to take people of prayer. Because we can be people who love and serve and give and are busy and involved, but if we're not people of prayer, we're missing the mark. So let me come at you this way, just a little, a little tough. Some of you don't pray, period. You just don't at all. So how do you change that? You start. You don't pray at all, so you just start. Start daily. Start intermittently throughout the day. Just make it a part of your life. The way you eat, you pray. The way you breathe, you pray. Some of you, you want to pray, but you don't know how. You haven't had a good model. You don't really know what's, quote, appropriate. Can I just tell you, saying help to God is a good enough prayer. That's the most spiritual prayer you can pray. Lord Jesus, help. Practice. Some of you used to pray, but you stopped. You started reducing God down to the formulas and the systems. See, sometimes the most dangerous place is to be blessed. You stop praying. You get comfortable. You don't need God. You don't need a relationship. You don't need provision. You don't need help. You've got the basic needs that make you happy set. So prayer is like optional, and it's reserved for sad times and funerals and other people who are going through stuff and mass shootings and difficulties and terrible things we see on the news. Oh, God, do something about that. Someone has to have a burden for this city, for the city to change. See, Nehemiah went in and totally changed around something that had taken over 100 years that couldn't be done. He did it in 51 days. God can do something powerful when God's people unite around the same mission of life change and him being central of something again. See, you can read books on prayer and still not pray. That's the first thing some of you thought. You know what? He's, he's got a point. I'm going to get on Amazon right now. I'm going to find me five books on prayer. And the whole time you're going to read those books and you're not going to pray. <laughs> Can I tell you, don't buy the book for 30 days. Start praying by spending time with God, spending time with God. And then go find out if you're doing it wrong. Can I tell you, you won't be doing it wrong, but I can tell you, you'll grow in prayer. But just, just invest in the presence of God, in time with God. See, Galatians chapter 5 says, since we now live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. How do we do that? Well, here's number one. When you pray, you guard yourself from self-absorption. What is self-absorption? It's the preoccupation with our own emotions, self-interests, our situations, our frustrations, our dilemmas, our challenges. Prayer is about communication. And by the way, we all have situations and frustrations and dilemmas and hurting bodies and hurting friends and bad stuff going on in our finances or our job. We all have stuff going on. We all have personal torments and traumas and tragedies that have happened to us. Look, the Lord's baptizing the stage with water here. (laughs) 
They actually warned me not to do that. So be careful when you hit the table, Daniel. You just spill the water. What a servant. Thank you, Josh. Preoccupation with our own stuff. We've all got that stuff going on. The way we think things should happen, the way we think things should have happened. We compare our age to someone else, why they're here at this stage and why we're here. And, and we don't feel good about ourselves until we see somebody else's life that's worse off than ours. And then we're like, oh, well, my life doesn't suck that bad. So I guess it's, I guess I'm doing okay. I guess I'll go to church this week. Maybe I'll tithe. Hey. It's going to tell you that we get comfortable with our misery. And the whole time Jesus is saying there's a better way. We get so comfortable with our anxieties and our fears and our frustrations, our shortcomings, our failures. We get so happy with the story of our past that we don't actually live from our past. We're still living out of our past. Because embracing the freedom that Jesus brings is scary to us because it means you're walking with a new identity. You're not walking in the shell of the old person. You're walking in the shell of the new person that's been birthed by the new covenant. See, we spend a lot of times... Self-absorption is, is, is possible because we keep adding things to our lives every, every day. We get a raise, we add something else. We get a new house, a new room, we add stuff to that room. We get a bigger car, we add a dog, then we have two dogs, or we add a kid, or we add something. And then we find out that we have a full experience happening where there's this life full of things, but it's empty of prayer. And the only time we prayed was to pray to get the things that we wanted to add. But there's no more relationship with God. The time is spent on things we add. Number two, when we pray, we're actively seeking the presence and the purpose of God. When we pray, we're actively seeking the purpose and the presence of God. Jesus spent so much time not doing the miracles, spending time with the Father. So many times we read of him early, late, often. It's like you read stories and they, they turn around and Jesus is just gone. He's here. Where is he? Oh, he's gone. He, what is he doing? He's praying. He's just off by himself. Jesus himself was not even consumed with the ministry with which he was anointed and sent for. It wasn't the doing of life. It was the connecting with God and life. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. So how can we know God if we're never still? If there's no room in our life to be still, if being still means being fearful, we should never be fearful in the presence of God. You never come into the presence of God ever in Christ and get rejected or ashamed or hated or told you're unworthy. You're given hope, you're offered restoration, you're offered forgiveness, you're offered mercy, you're offered grace, you're offered new beginnings. That's how much God loves us. So what I'm asking is, is, is your entire life down to, to strategy and plans and principles and systems and, and like my plan for that 10 years ago, it looks really good. It's a decent strategy, but it's all on you. There's no prayer. Being still will activate your faith and your trust in God. Number three, when you pray, you're reminded of the freedom 
that costs God everything. That's what you experience in the present. This is why some of you, when you walk in, and maybe you're new to Grace Avenue, and the worship's going on, or maybe even the message is going on, and it's emotional, and it's heavy, and there's the tears, you're getting a burden for the love of God. And you don't even know what to do with it. You're just kind of pushing it away, like, what is all this? It's more than emotion. It's spiritual. Something's happening. It's because God is peeling back the layers of what he's really put his finger on in your life, and that's his love and his life that he's poured into you. And God the Father is not a father who rejects. He's a father who draws. He's the one who takes the prodigal son and puts the robe around his shoulders and the ring on his finger, and he kills the fatted calf and makes really good brisket tacos with it. (laughs) That's the God that you serve. Here's my last point. I want to close with this. When you pray, you relinquish control and anxiety over to God. When you pray, you relinquish control and anxiety over to God. Some of you don't think you're controlling, but I know you are. Because you put a piece of bread in the toaster, and you start the toaster, and then you watch the bread. As if somehow you have this mysterious power to control the toasting effect of that bread. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you watch the bread in the toaster? Just confess your sins before the Lord right now. Just confess. Just confess. How many of you are holier than thou right now in that moment and said, I don't eat bread. I don't do carbs. Yeah. There's hope for you too. How many of you are the true people of God that put the bread in the toaster, hit the toast button, and just walk away and say, Lord, let the toast be the way you desire, and then you just walk away. And then if it's not, you go back and readjust it, and you're good to go. Make another one. All joking aside, we're trying to control things in life that we can't always control. And prayer sets us up to communicate with God. It matures us. It heals us. It nurtures us. It builds us. It shapes us. And more than anything else, it gets us into a position where we can hear the voice of the Lord. Our church needs people who have a burden for the city. Our church needs people who know how to pray. Our church needs people who hear the voice of the Lord. Here's what it just doesn't need consumers and attenders that's the lowest level of anything for any church anybody can get people to attend and consume just open the door and say free free tacos it's going to say free beer but that'd be an interesting kind of church if we free beer mega church grows overnight explodes in the city god's doing miracles i don't know about that i don't know I don't know if that's the straight plan of God. Don't judge the beer, Daniel. It's made from wheat. God loves wheat. He created wheat. So we go in there, right? The Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was experiencing the most pain in his life, when he was about to give his life. And it's in that moment, in the most pain, in the most rejection, when the disciples should have been there and they were not, when when he was feeling the anxiety and the weight of all that was coming, all that was about to happen, the crucifixion, he knew the reality of what was going on. He said, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, 
Father, take it away. And what did Jesus say? Nevertheless, your will be done. That's what prayer will do. It'll bring you to these places where you know crucifixion is happening. But here's the good news. About after every crucifixion, there's a resurrection. And after resurrection is new life and new hope and new glory and new opportunity and a new way of saying things. Prayer will bring you to that place. Where in your life today do you need to say to God, this is where I'm at. Nevertheless, your will be done. Your will be done in the healing that I need. Your will be done in fixing the broken places. Your will be done in the direction that I need. Your your will be done in and through my life. Here I am, Lord, send me. When you come to that place, you don't just sing about miracles like we did in the worship service. You get to experience them. You get to wash your hands of the false control that you have of your life and actually say, man, I'm just a product of a loving God who brought me out of the pit and set my feet on solid ground. I'm just a product of a loving God who saved me and rescued me and established me and grew me. I was living like trash. I was a mess. I was all over the place. I just cleaned up really good and God snatched me out of that darkness and positioned me for life. That's my story. It can be yours as well. Can we go to another level of prayer in this season for Grace Avenue? Can we be people who don't curse the darkness in our city, but light a candle in our city and believe for God to do something? Something far beyond anything we could ever strategize. Something far beyond we could ever plan. Something far beyond we could ever learn from some other church. Just God breathing life onto people and saving them. Let's pray this morning. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.